Just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at SidebarForever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. 40 years ago, in the summer of 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark was released in theaters, and pop culture was forever changed. Directed by Steven Spielberg, co-written by George Lucas, and starring Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, in one of his most iconic roles, this throwback to adventure serials and pulp heroes delivers thrills, chills, and spills like none before it. And oh yeah, a few snakes too. To commemorate the 40th anniversary, the three of us went all in on the cast, script, set pieces and stunts, the making of the film, and every bit of trivia we could dig up. Get it? Dig up? We also chat about the careers of Ford and Spielberg, both pre- and post-Raiders, and how this film in particular is the shared crown jewel in both of their filmographies. I'm Agent Johnson. Please join Dwight, Swain, and myself as we tip our hats, crack our whips, and play back a true classic, Steven Spielberg's 1981 film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Man, I'll tell you guys, you know, when whenever we start an episode, I always start looking for images to share with Adrian for like for the thumbnails, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, just to kind of try to get some inspiration and look at stills if it's a movie or comic art or art or just whatever it is. And so I started looking at images from uh, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. And the the whole the whole time yeah. All I could do in my head was da 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 da. Yeah. I couldn't get that out of my head the entire like as soon as I started seeing the images, I started hearing John Williams score and I was like, God damn. Yeah, yeah. I can't separate the two. They're inseparable, sir. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Man, and I and it's funny you should say it because I, I was I was trying to find like Completed versions of the theme that 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 up, I forget what the, the, the I guess called fanfare. It's not really fanfare, but it's, that's my closest thing I can think of right now. That was complete. You know that whole da 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 da. That didn't happen until like the plane situation. Like when you got on top of the plane, they finally made the complete you know uh, a procession of that of that entire thing. It's like damn, they waited that long. But if you if you'd asked me like you know several months ago, or even a couple days ago, I'm mean, like they played the entire time. They played the entire time, and they didn't. You know, it's a homage to the way films used to be made. Like it, it was, they, they they took you on the stage. They took you on the on the stage. You, you went there with them. They had, they, had, they had all the, all the various um, uh, props and things were like, were like handmade. And all, everybody was everybody was in a full costume. Everybody was committed to it. I like the fact that you had the actual ethnicities of the people in, in play. You know, back in the old Hollywood, they might have had people that were actually, you know, of Persian descent. There may have been like people. You know, some brown makeup on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting how um, Jean Reese Davies, who I'm a big fan of. You know. Um, uh, he's he's actually not British. He's actually not not not, not Persian. Right, of course. Brit- yeah, yeah. But but he but he, he played that role so well, you know. And and so with a very with a very sense of you know authenticity that made me like wow, really embrace him. Yeah. He's a warm guy, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you just, he's one of those usually like you walk up to it's like treat like he's your grandpa. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He, <laughs> he looks he looks like a Falstaff. You know what I'm saying? Like he looked like he should be jolly and just yes. Like everything should be yes. 
Of course. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice, right. What was Alfred Molina's character's name? Satipo? Satipo? Satipo. Yes. There you go. And you know, I always thought that he was with uh when when Andy runs past him and he sees him stuck through. I always thought he said adios stupido. No, he's saying adios Satipo. But I thought he said it's adios estupido. Estupido. I guess it works either way. Which 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 fit him. Which fit him both ways, you know? Yeah. Adding in adding insult to injury. Right? Quite literally. We have been gushing for about five or ten minutes before we really got into the show proper about, you know, rewatching the film, you know, on this 40th anniversary and reliving all of those great scenes and those great moments, um, catching back up with all the characters in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Adrian was talking about being moved once again, as he was, you know, the many other times that he's seen the film. You know, Dwight says, you know, he thinks that it's it may be Spielberg's, you know, greatest achievement as far as as far as movie making and filmmaking are concerned. Um, but I mean, it is the 40th anniversary of this uh, this great adventure film. That's a throwback to the to the, uh, you know, to the serials of yesteryear and to the pulp novel heroes of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I find it to be more homage than pastiche. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think they they took the old stuff. But they added a lot of heart to it, and 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 and, uh, and added their own uh, sense of artistry to it, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I think Raiders of the Lost Ark endears is endearing to so many people, and has endured for so many years as really a true classic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, just a true, undeniable classic. But I, I guess I will start with you know, let's just start by talking about you know what our experiences were like uh, watching the movie again. For me, this is maybe my 15th time seeing it, something like that. Mm-hmm. But what about you guys? How did you feel seeing it again? And, and, and did you have any new takeaways? Uh, for me, this is, man, this is like by, <laughs> you know, I, I can't even count how many times this viewing makes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just, man, the thing that gets me every time is just how, how brisk the movie is. But but not in a sense of it's rushing. Like mm-hmm. the scripting is great. I mean it mm-hmm. matches up and it gives it a modern sensibility to the um to the that old Republic serial, you know, type mm-hmm. of feel. You know what I'm saying? Um mm-hmm. one thought that I did have with this is had Indiana Jones been made back in the time that it was set or the time of those serials. The key person who probably would have played Indiana Jones would have been somebody like Errol Flynn. You know what I'm saying? And you think of, especially when I was watching this, came to mind Adventures, the Adventures of Robin Hood. You know, just that daring do and the physicality of it and just how, like, it just, both movies are so brisk. They move so well and they have leading men, protagonists, heroes who are just like, man, like nobody else could play those roles. Nobody, mm-hmm. man. I, I would say um, since we're going back to the old serial pulp serials, man, I would go back even further. I, w- I would say I would have two choices as far as who would play um, Indiana Jones back then it would have been either Buster Crab or Ronnie Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, Buster Crab, man, was 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 the guy, the go-to guy. He was Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers back then. 
know, he was. That's, 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 that's how badass he was, yo. That's how badass he was. And, and he made sure look believable, man. You know, he had that pretty boy good looks of, of like, like, like your, like your, you know, your, 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 um, your, 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 your young Turk from the from the from the thirties and forties, were coming over from the off the boat and stuff, you know, and and but he but he had that sense of like 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 real like 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 masculinity, but but soft, but but he but he but he, but he, but he felt like he could he could you know handle himself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, that would be my choice, man. But, but I totally agree with you, Adrian. Um, yeah, the the movie still holds up. Um, I, I you know I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't know if I would again, you know, because it's it goes to such an even clip. And, but but then at certain points it's like okay I'm still surprised with some of the special effects they used back then that were still still hold up man like and but some practical effects like the like the darts coming out of the out of the out of the out of the, out of the mummified remains of the of the of the cave and stuff like damn yeah you know and it's like it whips by you so fast and it's like it, look, it looks it looks dangerous yeah it looks mm-hmm. dangerous you know and it's like you know um, that's one of the things I like about it it holds up in the, in the danger element of things um, you know uh, the whip I mean. Now would be a, would be a practical would be a special effective to add in later on. Mm-hmm. Whoever the real whipmaster was. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, I didn't even think about that. You're right. You know the the, the, the whipmaster man is it, who, who was using it and taught taught uh, Harrison Ford how to use it. These are excellent job, man. You know, excellent job. Um, even some of the things that were kind of off color. You know, as as you're as you're going through um, the township and in, in the, uh, in the in the in the Hindu in the Hindu community, you know. There's a swordsman there that's just doing his thing, you know. He's like, he's like, he's just like, I'm not. And he's like, you hear, you see, you hear the cogs and and he's and he's head turning. He's like, I don't, I don't have time for this shit. Boom, you know, you know. It's like I got, I got, I got to rescue the girl. And um, even, but even the girl, man. This is one of the things I, I give, I give Spielberg credit for, man. Even the girl had agency, man. She wasn't some damsel in damn distress. She was doing her own thing from the very beginning, man. Knocking down the knocking down the whiskey and stuff and turn over in the bar and she was or his own bar and stuff. I was like, wow, this is and this is made when you know, movies today can still learn from the way this was done. You know? Certainly, like Marion, yeah. had it been back in the '30s, she would have been played by like Barbara Stanwyck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Like just a just a tough just a tough damn. You know what I'm saying? And and, and Marion was right or die. At first, she wasn't. She was like, mm-hmm. "How could you leave me, Andy? How could you?" But once again, to situations and you know they having to kind of depend on each other, really, just like you said, man. You know mm-hmm. they kind of came together. So it had the romance, it had the adventure, it had the action, it had the mm-hmm. horror, it had the superstition. It had so much packed into one movie. Yeah. It's as if those old movies that promised that come for the thrills, come for the romance, come for the chills. Everything. Is in this movie. Totally paid off, man. Yeah. Totally paid off. And, to, uh, you know, as it relates to uh, Harrison Ford, I think one of the things that Harrison Ford brings that your Buster Krabs and your Johnny Weissmullers and your Ron Ely's mm-hmm. and, and even some of the tough guys, you know, from, from, you know, outside of the fantasy realm, you know, your, you know, any of those guys, Steve McQueen, you know, any of them, to me, Harrison Ford played this character. He's not dashing. Mm hmm. He's he's formidable and mm-hmm. he's driven, but he's also kind of like a lovable puppy dog. He's kind of scruffy. Scruffy, mm-hmm. yeah. He doesn't always mm-hmm. say the right thing. He's a scruffy nerve herder, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't always say the right thing. He doesn't always do the right things. So he's a little more fallible. A little more, you know, he has a little more feet of clay than some of mm-hmm. those characters did. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that worked for him. And maybe that was something that was brought in the decade of the 80s. 
you know, when this was made and when it was actually released in theaters. But just to talk a little bit about the uh, the cast and the people who made the film, you know, we talked about Steven Spielberg. You know, he directed this movie. Uh, the story was by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Mm-hmm. The script was by the great Lawrence Kasdan. Music by the maestro John Williams. Um, that thing just it mm. just rings in my head. Um, cinematography was by Douglas Slocum, and then it was edited by um, Spielberg's then longtime editor uh, Michael uh, Kahn. And the film stars, of course, Harrison Ford as Indy and Karen Allen as as Marion Ravenwood, and we've got Paul Freeman as the as the British bastard, and he's actually playing a French character, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rene Belloc. Uh, we have Ronald Lacey as Tot. Uh, Dwight mentioned uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Reese davies as Sala, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then Denham Elliott as, uh, as Marcus Brody. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of other character actors and other folks in this movie uh, that, that really made it great. But, you know, one of the things I really liked about, like what Dee was saying, uh, Karen Allen's character of Marion, they did allow her to not just be, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. Right, right. You know, she jumps in the fray. You know, mm-hmm. she's not afraid to, 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 to play her hand and, to, and, to, and to, uh, to, you know, to hand out an ass whooping when she has to. When she first meets Indy in that opening scene in the, in the bar, when he comes to her bar and she clocks him. He's like, he's like, God damn. Indy was know. walking like, yeah, what's up, baby? I know it's been a while. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> he was like, he was like, hey, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she wasn't with it. Hello, Marion. Indiana Jones. always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. So what are you doing here in Nepal? I need one of the pieces your father collected. I learned to hate you in the last 10 years. I never meant to hurt you. I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong and you knew it. You knew what you were doing. Now I do. This is my place. Get out. Mohan, Demigru, Bolianu. You know, and she, you know, she ends up shooting one of the characters in the back and hitting them with the fire. And mm-hmm. you know, when a bar burns down, she says, "You know, <laughs> now you got a partner. Now I'm going with you because you just burned down my, you know, my goddamn bar." Yeah. And and um and, and just all the way throughout the movie, you know, there are just points where she, you know, she does her thing, and she and she Karen Allen even talked about that when she got the part that there were little things that they came up with along the way so that she could be in the movie and not just be this side character, which she, she could very easily have been window dressing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, like D said, I loved, uh, uh, John, uh, John Rice, uh, Reese Davies. Yeah. I loved his character. He is, he's kind of like that lovable uncle or that grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't remember Denim Elliott who played Marcus Brody, but he was Coleman in trading places. That's right. Of course. Of course. He was the, yeah. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't remember that for some reason. I was just like, <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. This is Col- Coleman. Well, of course Coleman. You know? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but all of that stuff was just, was just fantastic, man. Let's talk about uh, just a couple of the, uh, the key scenes uh, and some of the set pieces. Oh, take your pick. Oh, Yeah, right? Are you kidding me? Starting off in the, be- in the beginning with the whole thing with the Golden Idol and the boulder. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the boulder chasing him down the thing. And he jumps through the spider webs and jumps out of the cave. And that whole scene where he's trying to, with the bag of sand, which, okay, I mean, you just get a bag of sand. and Don't even weigh it or anything. You're just kind of like, okay, this seems about right. <laughs> oh, cool. Right. I did it. Right. Then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, yo. <laughs> oh, man. But that part right there always got me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was good to see an action hero actually thinking. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's gambling, so to speak. But he's also thinking it's like, I got to replace this just right. And then you have that John, John Williams score rising behind him. Oh, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Oh, boy. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Oh, gets me every time. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. The the uh, the brilliance of that whole scene, man, is and, and it goes into his character. He is Indiana Jones, man. As he, as a teacher, he's he's he's, he's giving he's giving the, the lessons, and, and the girls are flirting with him with "I love you" and their eyelids and stuff. But you know, as 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 a as a as a practical person, who he is as a man, he, he's an adventurer, right? So he goes in these situations trying to trying to find these artifacts and things like that. And when he gets there, um, he 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 just he just goes off the cuff there's no plan he says i make it up as i go along he tells Miriam that it's like like damn Andy, you're, you know you just you just improv the entire way you know and that's and i think that's 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 one of brilliance of, i think of harrison ford's uh portrayal of him too and also who is as a character because I, I keep hearing like I, I would hear i would hear like like parts that's just truly harrison in there like you know uh that for example you know that, that whole that whole swelling scene there's there's, there's a whole thing that john williams does where, where the where the swelling the romantic stuff I, I was hearing hearing hints of like like the han and leia theme in there to some degree <laughs> you know and i was like wow this john 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 very much does carry a he has, he has a, a definitely has a form of how he does stuff in his shows you know and in, in, in various dramatic scenes and situations so yeah yeah for sure and um you, i think the other thing too like you're talking about him being a professor uh dwight Ford said that he was always playing Indiana Jones more as more cerebral and more as a thinker than a fighter. And then, uh, you know, than somebody who's like this swashbuckler. Yeah. You know, he was always like, this is the guy from the classroom who can go out in the field and can be this, you know, this athletic and this dynamic, dynamically physical person. But that's not who he is. Who he is is really this thoughtful you know, pursuer of artifacts and this this appreciator of, of precious rare things. That's who the character is to him as he was playing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to your point as well, like my one of my favorite, favorite, favorite scenes is when he's down in a well of souls. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he, he it's almost an homage as well to Lawrence of Arabia. You know, he's dressed up in the all white and everything. He has the staff mm-hmm. of Raw, you know. He's finally got the staff up there and, you know, he's gotten it down to size just right. That whole scene will make me weep by how well it's done. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and it's just so much to it. You're talking about him being cerebral. You know, he's down there on the floor, you know, you know, brushing aside the dust. So you're getting the archaeological side of him. You know, he's trying to, you know, swipe the uh, dirt and dust away to find the exact hole where he needs to put the staff at. And then he consults his diary, his book, just like, is this right? Is this right? Methodical. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and then then he's like, yeah, that's it right there. And then he gives you that shit-eating Harrison Ford grin when he looks back (laughs) towards the sun like, yeah, it's about yeah. to be hard. <laughs> and then the way that they cut to the sun, and then you go outside the sala, he's also looking up at the sun as well. Oh, it's perfect. And then, and then the whole thing of after Sala looks back, like, I hope Indy's all right. 
you know, this is getting high. I don't know if the, he's going to find it in time, you know, before mm-hmm. we're caught. And then mm-hmm. you have the hint to that John Williams score coming through as he puts the staff down. And, mm-hmm. you know, Indy is just standing there. And we're standing there with him awaiting this sense with a sense of wonder, like mm-hmm. anticipation. What's going to happen mm-hmm. next? You know, and the sun is coming through and you see that ray of sunlight come through and you're just like, oh my God. And and the part where it's in front of Harrison, uh, in front of Indy, and he has that same wide-eyed anticipation as we do, sitting there. And then mm-hmm. when the sunlight comes through, hits the... Uh, st- Stafford Raw just right. Aura. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the, the pure joy on his face when the location of the arc is revealed that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, man. <laughs> it's the satisfaction of someone. So everything that he's been trained for is coming to fruition, is, is assisting him in his journey to find. You know the the coveted Ark of the Covenant. You know, yes. Uh, just, I mean, just yeah, just wonderful, man. And um, I I wanted to talk too about the uh, when they're down in the, in this in the snake pit. Yeah. Uh, he and Marion, and the you know the snakes are everywhere, and uh, and she says, you know, like you're talking about, th- you know, thinking on your feet. I'm making it up as I go along. She says, Andy, get us out of here. He's like, I'm working on it. Yeah. And then he sees the snakes, <laughs> the snakes coming through the hole in the wall. And he realizes the, on the other side of the wall, it's hollow. It, He's like, hmm. She's like, well, we might be able to get out. So he climbs up yeah. atop of that big statue and it kicks it over and then it crashes through the wall. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, they find they finally make their way out, you know, even though, you know, uh Belloc and the Nazis thought that they were basically entombing them. Right. You know, and 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 let's just let's just talk about Paul Freeman as fucking Belloc. Oh. That motherfucker just just sw- the whole movie was just like there isn't anything you can't you can't uh, possess that I can't take from you. Take away from you, yes, man. Golly, man, you are bastard. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. And he, and he proved it time and time again until, yeah. until 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 the very end. You know, even 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 talk Andy down out of the, out of his willingness to blow up to blow the arc to, to hell. You know, so to speak. You know, he was gonna like it was like it's like no, Doctor Jones. You know, you really want to see as much as I do. You want to see what's inside this arc. So he appealed to his his his, his again to his mental. Uh, acuity to, to do that yeah was and didn't he tell him early on that they were kind of the same yes mm-hmm. wasn't that always the thing that we're the same and he's like oh, i'm never the same you know and i guess indy's kind of turning his nose up at him because belloc is essentially working for uh for the for the nazi uh the nazis right but it's like no you are the same mm-hmm. more than anything you want discovery means everything to you mm-hmm. the lack of discovery means death means you know, uh, emptiness. So yeah, he knew. Yeah, he knew. You know, and and the whole time he's chatting him up. You know, the soldiers are coming up over the other side of the canyon, and then they get the drop on Indian, and that's it. Okay, Jones, you in? Load up. Zurück! 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 Yes, load up. Going back to God. All your life has been spent in pursuit of archaeological relics. Inside the Ark are treasures beyond your wildest aspirations. You want to see it open as well as I. Indiana, we are simply passing through history. This, this is history. 
did you notice and did you know, I think Adrian probably did, that that whole uh, scene where they shot in the canyon, that's where they shot Star Wars? That's right. Oh, okay. With, with Obi-Wan and uh, and uh, and uh, R2-D2? Yeah, yeah. And Luke? What, was it with the sun? Was it sun ones? Or were, no, it's like, remember, remember the part where R2-D2 is like, you know, kind of rolling through that canyon there? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the same spot in Tunisia. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Okay, wow. That's cold. That's cold, man. Yeah, exact, man. The exact same spot, yo. Man, uh, just, to, just, just to talk one of the things you guys made up that you, that you butchered that you said about the um, about uh, him being a thinker. One of the things that shows he's a thinker, and I, I, I just think about this, you know, um, the way he responded to to being thrown out of, of the truck and holding on to the ornament and the truck to, to, for dear life and being, you know, on on the grill of things. Uh, um, a brute of a man would would have tried to muscle his way back up onto the onto the roof of the uh, a roof of the of the truck uh, onto the onto the, the hood of the truck. But a thinker says, "No, I, I can go underneath it too." And that's what he did. He went underneath it and, and, tie, and tied on that way, which is, you know, that's, that's what most heroes would have done. That was the first time. I, I think that was one of, one, of the, one of the selling points for me is seeing in, in the commercials was him doing that that action of like, wow, he's underneath the truck. Oh. He, he doesn't take a whip. It's like, wow, that was incredible, that man. still holds up. It does, still. man. It does. And think about it, man. That was practical effects. That wasn't some. That wasn't some some, some body double. That was a person that had a, got got his got his got his, his midsection skinned up doing that for for him. That was somebody had to had to have like a certain amount of clothing on to stop from dragging him and, and putting those burns on his on his on his stomach and torso. Very well done, man. I just I, I clap my hands at that every time. But it also reflects the not the desperation, but the determination, you know, of him as well. Because in the back of that truck, the fate of the world rests. I mean, the fate of the world is in the back of that truck. Quite literally, quite literally, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the the pursuit of the Ark, you know, and this is something that I didn't really catch plot-wise, you know, my first couple of times watching the movie, but the pursuit of the Ark was, is, you know, Hitler being kind of a, a, a fanatic for the supernatural as well Mysticals. as, you know, yeah. eugenics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he thought that the Ark would make an army invincible. So he was trying to create an invincible army for the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. By possessing the art, that's why they were spending all this time trying to find it, and that's why Indy was trying to thwart him. But uh, two things about that whole that whole scene there, that was intentionally an homage to old westerns, because there there are old westerns you can see where somebody goes under, you know, under the uh, you know the stage the stagecoach, stage yeah, stagecoach, yeah, yeah. Right. and it comes out the other side. That was an homage to to that, and they intentionally wanted something like that to be in it. That's why. That sequence is so long and why, you know, it goes on for as long as it does, mm-hmm. but yet never gets boring. Never, ever gets boring. No. But to, to Dee's point, the uh, the actor who's doubling for Harrison Ford there is the, is the great stunt performer and stunt coordinator, Terry Leonard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Terry Leonard is, uh, he's he's been in a ton of things, a ton of TV, a ton of movies. He was in Blazing Saddles, Apocalypse Now. Uh, the Fall Guy, Django, Tombstone, Romancing the Stone. He's Die Hard with a Vengeance. He's been in everything. Yeah. And he's actually he's actually friends with uh, with our friend Warren Drummond. Oh, okay. If if I'm not mistaken, Warren will of course correct me. They may have met on uh, Too Fast, Too Furious when they worked on that movie with John Singleton. But anyway, he doubled for Harrison Ford. So he actually has two 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 cameos in that in that uh, in that sequence. Terry Leonard is the guy driving the uh the, the first truck where indy rides up on horseback and then jumps off and jumps on the truck and then gets into the cab and starts fighting with him and they're fighting back and forth and then he pushes him out of the driver's seat off and he falls off a cliff yeah 
That was Terry Leonard. And then when Indy gets into the fight with the other driver and goes over the uh, the hood of the car and gets dragged underneath and then, you know, goes under and he uses his lasso, that's Terry as well. Damn. So he, he doubled him in, in, in both places. But, yeah, man, that was just, that was a fantastic sequence. And even when you get to the, I guess, the climax of the, 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 the Denny Mall of the, uh, of the, you know, whether he and uh, Marion are tied to the stake. Yeah. And Belloc and Tot. Don't open your eyes. Yeah. And they're, they're opening it. Uh, you know, at first they're like, okay, there's nothing in it. It's just sand. And then all you see, you see the mysticism start to rise out of there. And then, and then those sheets of, of, of supernatural lightning and light start, you know, hitting the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the Nazis and picking them up. And yeah, you know. And, right. Right. And then when the melting starts ah! and the ghosts, yeah, it was like, ah, ah, and the ghosts are swirling around. <laughs> and one German officer, his real face looked like it was melted, though, before they put the W in. <laughs> like, he just had that comical Dave Stevens looking impression, like just so stretchy. <laughs> and then, of course, Todd is just, ah! Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Man. the guy was coming to him, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And by yeah. the time it was all over, and that's kind of like a recurring thing, I guess, in these Indiana Jones movies, is the thing that he really wants, he doesn't really want it. Mm-hmm. There's usually too much that goes along with it. Yep. You know, and of course, you know, the ending sequence where he's sitting down with the, you know, with the Washington officials, and they, oh, we got people working on it. Who? We got the best people working on it, and, uh, you know, what? Top Whatever. men, yes. Yeah, top people, the top people. Right, 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 right. That's right, he corrects him no. at, the, uh, at, the, uh, at the very end of the sequence. I did want to cover a little bit of trivia and, and some observations. If you guys have some, you certainly throw them out there. Sure. The original title of that, that George Lucas came up with was The, the Adventures of Indiana Smith. <laughs> Indiana Smith. <laughs> it was Indiana Smith, yo. He stayed out of the street or something, yeah, yo. Right. <laughs> Right. Smitty. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was Philip Kaufman who said, yeah, I love this idea, but that name, we got to change the name. And I think they landed on Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the movie was originally Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then it has been rebranded Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <sighs> I mean, it, it works fine, but I like the idea of just Raiders of the Lost yes. Ark. Yes. Right. Just, it's just perfect. Right. It's just absolutely perfect. You know. Yeah, so it's like, it's like it was Star Wars, dude. It was it was episode four, you know. Yeah. It was Star Wars, dude. You know. It wasn't a New Hope. Episode five, right? Yeah. It was Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> right. You know. So, um, so, but the movie was shot in seventy-three days in four countries. They shot it uh, in England, mm-hmm. uh, in France, Tunisia, and Hawaii. Uh, that first sequence on the island with the mountain and with uh, Satipo and and uh, and the natives. That's supposed to be Peru, but it's actually in Hawaii somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and um, as far as front runners, and we talked about this on that other episode we did where we were talking about the, the what if casting choices. Mm-hmm. The front runner to play Indiana Jones for forever was Tom Selleck. That's right. I've always heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can go online and you can see he and Karen Allen doing scenes together. As a matter of fact, uh, Tom Selleck was a choice. Tim Matheson was a choice. 
Uh, believe it or not, Peter Coyote was a choice. Oh, <laughs> Peter Coyote. <laughs> hey, Marion. Hey, come on, Marion. Yes, yeah. Like, you, if you go online, you you can see a video of Kieran Allen doing scenes with Tim Matheson and with Tom Selleck. And I'll tell you, the Tom Selleck scenes are not bad. Sure, I I'd actually if if Harrison Ford had not been cast, I I could see Tom Selleck for sure. You know. Yeah. Didn't didn't they, didn't shortly after didn't they do a, a quickly down under or some shit like that? What was yeah, that, that was like, way was that? later on. That was in nineteen ninety. Yeah, that was in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like, wow. George Lucas was the second director on some of the stuff. You know, like doing like I guess B roll stuff and and, and shooting mm-hmm. other scenes. He actually rewrote you know portions of uh, cast and script as the movie progressed on. They changed a few things, not a lot, but I did mm-hmm. hear he did like a, another rewrite uh, in on certain scenes later on. Mm-hmm. Um. Most of the crew, when they were in uh, in Tunisia, got deathly ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody who ate at the restaurants and ate the local food got ill. They got like dysentery. Steven Spielberg said he was smart. Uh, they had started shooting in England, and he brought all his canned food with him from England. So he said he would wake up in the morning and he eat a can of corned beans or whatever. And then he at lunch he'd eat a, a can of hash or whatever. And then for dinner he'd open a can of something else. But he said he ate all canned foods, and he said everybody else got deathly ill. Your boy uh, Dwight, your boy uh, uh, John Reese Davies, mm-hmm. he said he had a hundred and five degree fever at one point. Damn. And he said uh, there was a scene where there was a Nazi soldier soldier who was supposed to shoot him, and he said that uh, he leaned over, you know, to put his Boom. hands on his knees and just <laughs> in his jalaba. <laughs> and, and he said, I did not care. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it too, man. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the scene that you referenced earlier, that famous scene with the uh, the swordsman, mm-hmm. who's got all the wild sword play, and then Andy just pulls his pistol and shoots him. That was supposed to be a longer sequence, but Harrison Ford was so sick, he's like, I can't do it. So they came up with that on the fly, and that's what they ended up shooting. And that's nice. like one of the great scenes that people remember and laughed out loud. I remember being in the theaters, busting a gut, like, oh, my God, you know, because it was just so unexpected. Mm-hmm. You think about it, man. The, the, those, those characters, that, those, those uh, swordsmen in particular, they, they, they had a great deal of, um, they had a great deal of, they, they used them a lot in, in movies like Seven Voyages Sinbad mm-hmm. and things like that. And those guys were like were formidable. So you knew if Indy got a chance to, to to really really toss it up with this guy, he's gonna lose horribly. So so the solution was a practical one. It made sense, you know. Again, the thinker, a thinker, a thinker's fighter, not a, not a fighter thinker, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to th- to to think of it in terms of uh, hyphenating hyphenating it, you know. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of observations. I wanted to f- to see what you guys. I don't know if you have some as well, but mm-hmm. um, and I I like the fact that we didn't see Indy's face for the first four or five minutes mm-hmm. un- until the uh, the native who's who's uh, helping him get find his way pulls the gun on him and then he cracks the whip. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was awesome. That's the first time we see his face and he steps out of the shadows. Dun, dun, like, dun, oh. dun, dun. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, so this is what I'm going to ask. Now, it's strongly implied in this movie that when Indy hooked up with Marion, she was underage. Yes, sir. Yes. To the point where she says, I was just a kid. And he's like, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, what the hell? I was young. I was in love. <laughs> <laughs> what? Right? I, I, mean, I, was, I was rubbing my head like I'm doing now. Like, uh, 
uh, right? Uh, indie. Uh, right? Damn. I mean, uh, <laughs> young teacher, the subject, of school girl, literally. Yeah, yo, it was on some Lolita shit, yo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay. But, I mean, they just kind of glazed over it. But, yeah, she was clearly supposed to be, like, 15, maybe 16. And he was, like, 20 in his early 20s. Mm-mm. It's like, ah, oh, this is... Pretty scummy. I, I, I mean, we said that, I mean, we, I, I thought about that. I was like, damn, he's doing some, doing some, uh, what's this, what's do different that, um, they got, uh, somehow they caddy for that and fled the country. What was his name? Uh, Roman Polanski. Just, oh, Roman Polanski. Doing some Polanski shit, dude. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, he actually drugged, like, a 14-year-old girl and sodomized her, so... Right. Well, how, how do we know he didn't? <laughs> yeah, kidding, so, well, yeah. But I was just like, okay, is that really what's up? The other thing I wanted to ask you guys was is looking at this now through a modern lens. Mm-hmm. Looking at it through a modern Eric Stevens, aka Killmonger lens. Okay. <laughs> you know, when Indiana Jones says, you know, that these things should be in, in, in museums and these things should be. I mean, okay, so you're going into other countries. Mm-hmm. taking what's precious and what's, you know, what's important and what's, you know, what's uh, crucial to their, you know, their heritage and their history. Right. And taking it to museums so that what, so that, you know, Westerners and European, you know, white Europeaners and white Westerners can, can appreciate them. Right. Right. Yeah. Is that what yeah. we were doing? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that, man, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, that's exactly what was done. And so, of course, only through the, through the, uh, the European gaze is it, is it, is it gain, does it gain, does it gain a, uh, a vital sense of, 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 of a place, you know, if place. we bequeath it as important and right. we bequeath it as being something worthy of, of, you know, of being included in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that was de- uh, definitely an undertone for sure. Uh, I wanted to kind of conclude by talking a little bit about Spielberg and Harrison Ford's careers, mm. kind of pre Raiders and kind of post Raiders, because in my mind, um, uh, you know, this is really like the, I know, I mean, pun intended, it is like the, uh, the shared crown jewel in both of their filmographies. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is a shining example of really like two Titans, one in acting and one in, you know, behind the camera. Directing. Yeah. Kind of meeting at a similar point in time. They were both about the same age mm. and, you know, and their careers were on the ascension before that. And continued to go, you know, even way, even way after that. But if you look at Spielberg, like prior to Raiders of the Lost Ark, he did uh, Duel in 1971, which is a great movie starring Dennis Weaver, if you hadn't seen it. He did Jaws in 75, which was a summer smash, you know, possible, possibly the first summer blockbuster, you know, it's been called. And then in 77, he does Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Another another huge success. So he's got the stink on him like big time. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg is, I think, maybe thirty five when he makes uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but he is absolutely like on his way up. And then even after this, he does E. T. in nineteen eighty two. A year later, he does The Color Purple in eighty five. Don't forget, he did the second Indiana Jones in eighty four. Right, he does the two sequels. I was I was just kind of glazing over those, but yeah, he does the two sequels, uh, Temple of Doom, and then eventually uh, the Last Crusade, and then it's kind of a a semi dry spell, 
from the mid '80s into the '90s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he has that second wave with Jurassic Park in 1993, and then he has a second wave in 1993 with Schindler's List. Yeah. And then even if you talk about some of the stuff after that, that's kind of like B level for him. Munich is pretty good. Well, Saving Private Ryan as well. Saving Private Ryan. Amistad. 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 Amistad, yes. Pretty good, yo. Mm -hmm. Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. I I like AI, man. I like AI, man. He did do AI. That's right. That's right. That's right. I I don't consider it a true one because he actually shared directorial with uh, Stanley Kubrick. Yep. Okay. So and I was, and I, and I I didn't really care for it, for the movie that much, but and even like Catch Me If You Can, which is a pretty good movie, uh, for it to you know just be you know some guys running around and, and chasing each other, mm-hmm. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, and of course you know later on he did uh, Ready Player One, which I have never seen. It's it's good. Is it? I like it. It's good. Yeah. Okay. It's worth watching. I mean, it's not it's not great, but it's good. Is it the the, the subject matter? You to be you to be a, a I guess. A, into the subject matter first thing is first thing and the next thing is it's, it's a human story still which is what Silver does so well he t- t- tells human stories he takes technology and he scales it into you know a, a plausible humanistic story yeah you know one of the criticisms that you could and have been leveled at you know um, Spielberg is you know through his ambling entertainment you know mm-hmm. his particular brand of filmmaking quote unquote you know it did seem to spawn like <laughs> I hate to say it like this, but like Spielberg Juniors, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. Zemeckis. Down. Zemeckis has always mm-hmm. struck oh, yeah. me as, oh, that's Spielberg Junior right there. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many projects, it's almost as if um, Spielberg was like, I really want to do that, but I don't have the time to do that. Let me get somebody else who I trust. But it's almost like that relationship that Howard Hawks had with. Um, some of his other um, directors, you know, mm. his hand is prevalent. His hand is present. Poltergeist, like that same handle, same type of scares and stuff like that. You can see Spielberg. And the controversy was that did Spielberg direct some of Poltergeist? You know, did, you know, instead of Tobe Hooper, what's up, you know? To, to, to your point, man, I, you know one of the things I, I found interesting back in the day when, when, like you're mentioning, the different directors and things that were like alkalites of, of, of or wannabes of, of versions of Spielberg, is I found that the, the, the hand of ILN to be very, very heavy in a lot, all these movies. Like I, I, their signature was the signature stone was on special effects. You could see in every every ounce of, of still of, of Indiana Jones. You could see it in you could see it, of course in the Star Wars movies. You could see it in, in, in Polar Geist. You could see it in, in all those movies that were, had a lot of special effects. It was like to your point, though, D, even with that, you know, they were the they were like the leader of their industry. They were, mm-hmm. you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. If you had a movie that needed this kind of special effects and you had the money to spend, that's where you spent it. There was no second choice or third choice. Second or third choice was, you know, the, the kind of great B-movie special effects that we would see people still use mm-hmm. and make great. But, yeah, ILM was just, they were... They were those those cats that you had to go to. Yeah, exactly. And you couldn't you couldn't get around it. But yeah, like uh, uh, Zemeckis um, didn't Chris Columbus direct uh, Young Sherlock Holmes? That's correct. Yes, mm-hmm. and that that felt very Spielbergian to me. Oh yeah, and I love that movie. I, I I haven't seen it in a long time, but I always thought it was great. 
Um, and even in modern day, you have someone like J.J. Abrams, who is certainly, whether you like him or not, he is certainly an acolyte of Spielberg. And certainly his movie, Super 8, was a love letter to the Spielberg movies of the uh, of the 80s. Thank you. I was going to say, man, I went to go see Super 8 in a theater. And I, 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 I couldn't show, I couldn't show J.J. Abrams. I was like, <laughs> bruh, bruh, is all of this? Is all of this just a payout or a, a, a complete homage to Spielberg? Just you, you spent millions of dollars, but it worked though, yo. It can't man, it work. Fuck that. Fuck a Super <laughs> Eight, man. Like, like the part, the part that got me was the part where um, the kids, the kids are overlooking like the crash site and whatnot, and they, and they make this veiled attempt at that John Williams type score. You can even hear that. It's like stop it, stop it. No, <laughs> stop it, yo. <laughs> you mean it wasn't John? <laughs> I like Super 8, yo. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen it, D? No, not fully. No, I think I've seen seg- certain segments of it and, and turn it off, you know. Okay. Um, I, I, well, my, Super 8 is, uh, reminds me of, like, what I think Chronicles was, um, to some degree. With, um, with, the super, with, with like, the super teens, those, those super-powered right, kids. Right, right, right. The, uh, the Chronicle, isn't it? The Chronicle, yeah, that was with yeah. um, what's his face, um, Michael B. Uh, Jordan and some other Michael young actors. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was that was it was very good in its way. But yeah, man, you, I mean, you got to realize, I mean, you know, success. What would I say? Imitation is the best form of flattery. So you're going to get mugs that are you know going to do the, you know do their version of Spielberg, man. That's what's up. You know what? It's 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 comparable to like Puff Daddy, yo. Back in his <laughs> day in the '90s, he had his production team, the Hitmen. So it's just basically like a bunch of dudes who would actually do the beats and then he would put his name on it. That's almost kind of what you're describing. Like, like, you know, as a filmmaker, you can only make so many movies, which is one of the reasons why if you actually look at Spielberg's filmography, it's not super long for a guy who's been making movies for, you know, 40 something years, however many years, 50 years or whatever it is. Yeah, it's not crazy long. He's produced almost as much as he has, you know, directed. Uh, and that's just the, probably the nature of the beast. You can only commit to directing so many movies, you know, one movie every two to five years, something like that. And that's and that's kind of pretty much it. But um, but um, as, looking as far as Harrison Ford's uh, his uh, his filmography. So. I kept trying to think, OK, well, you know, because they were talking about it, like uh, I think Spielberg recommended, hey, why don't we cast Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones? Mm-hmm. And George Lucas said, you know, I don't I don't know if I want to do that. You know, he's already been in several of my other movies. You know, I don't want to get this kind of uh, Scorsese, De Niro, you know, this thing where he's kind of like my muse or whatever. But anyway, they ended up going ahead and casting him. And he didn't want to sign for a three picture deal. But they, you know, they ended up working it out as far as the money is concerned. But I was thinking about it. I was like, well, you know, what was going on before that? So really and truly, he'd made other things. But in terms of major things on his his uh, his uh, IMDb, you've got American Graffiti, which George Lucas wrote and directed. You've got The Conversation, which is uh, Francis Ford Coppola's movie with uh, Gene also, Hackman, yeah, 1974. Then you have Star Wars in 1977. Mm-hmm. He's in Apocalypse Now in 1979. Mm-hmm. He does the sequel to Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. He's a star. But everything he's kind of been in prior to that has been an ensemble. 
this is really the first time where he's carrying the movie. Right. The movie is all about him, and it was a big success. So it's like he walks through the doorway of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then in 1982, he does Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he does Return of the Jedi, back to the Star Wars universe. He does Witness. He does Patriot Games. He does, uh, uh, what's that murder mystery he did? Well, uh, not, 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 not wet major. It's like predicament uh, what, of a murder what, what, what or something beneath. like that. What, what lies no, no, beneath. not that, not that, not that. Uh, Fra- frantic. Uh, not frantic, but frantic was is, is in there. The fugitives later on. It's in that in that early nineties era. Presumed innocent. Presumed innocent. Yeah, presumed innocent. innocent. Yeah. Yes, Greta Greta whatever her name is. She was in it. Yeah. So you see him now. He can greenlight a movie. He can carry a movie himself. He, you know, he is the focus. The movie is about him. He's in 80% of the scenes. And it's like he walked through a doorway, um, you know, at that point after, uh, after Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's kind of one of the reasons why I feel like it is like the crown jewel. It is the, the, you know, this shared space for he and Spielberg where it's like, okay, wow. You know, you guys were, it's like the roller coaster that we got right to the tip. And then when they got over, it was, it was just, it was just, it was just gone. <laughs> you know, one of the thing, one thing that I want to mention too is in the wake of Raiders, how many just homages there were to that whole color theme uh, of Raiders, the color palette. Um, if you had an adventure movie set back in the '30s, you had to have that font, that Raiders font. You know, like, like, I right, for instance, okay. Back in 99. National treasure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you got to have... the stone. Thank you. Exa- Jewel of the Nile. Yeah, exactly. Jewel of the Nile, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, in 99, when the first Mummy was coming out, and he showed, like, the first trailer for it, I remember my boy and I, we were sitting in the theater, right? And the trailer came up and it had the sunset, just like in Raiders, you know? Yeah. So you're thinking, yeah. oh, Oh shoot! Is it is it is it is it a new Indiana Jones? Right, Brenda right. Fraser, Fraser's face pops up. We're like, oh okay. Oh. <laughs> but it was still, but it was still fun word, though. Word. Like that first Mummy, that was some that that was a fun ass movie. I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, the subsequent sequels though, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. 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 I had forgotten about. So, what are some of the other kind of? You have Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. You have. Uh, uh, you have uh, National Treasure later on with Nicolas Cage. Yes. <laughs> uh, those mummy movies. Yes. Um, are there others? Yeah. There's um, there's a remake of King Solomon Mi- King Solomon Mines uh, King Solomon's Mines uh, from mm-hmm. Canon Films in the 1980s. Um, Richard Chamberlain and Sharon Stone. Yeah. And, and there was a sequel to that one as well. Like there were two of those. Uh, you have. Firewalker, that same thing. They go into a Mayan tomb, also from Canon Films with Lou Gossett and Chuck Norris. Um, okay. Yeah, but but I tell you, I tell you, I tell you where it switched. Um, you know, you can see, you can say, uh, of course, um, whole, wholeheartedly, um, Laura Croft Tomb Raider, the video game was was, was heavily yeah. was heavily inspired yeah. by. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just funny how. That that whole movie, well, that movie sparked like a whole genre of like mm-hmm. you know archaeologist adventurers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just funny how that that kind of continued for a while. You know, um, 
and then that 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 fourth Indiana Jones movie, I I don't know, I don't know what it was. I, I think for me, the reason why it doesn't do it for me is just because that that formula has already been there, and they're already long in a tooth, and it's almost like you, you know how like in some ways when you see these characters in a film, it's the perfect place at the perfect time and the perfect age for those cast members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you kind of don't want to see them years later when they're a bit older. It's like, no, that, that kind of takes away from the vitality of the previous right. performance. Right. That's kind of what it felt like to me with that fourth Indiana Jones film. You know, you, you kind of think of, you know, Indy and Marion as like, you know, at the end, they're this young, you know, perhaps they'll, they'll have a, 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 a happy ending. You know what I'm saying? And they walk off. Years later, ah, oh, they're all grizzled and ah, uh, why'd you come back? You know you got a son now. So great. So now <laughs> says, look, Marion is Marion is, is an angry baby mama, yo. Exactly. <laughs> like 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 what is up with that whole trend of like, let's take these icons and turn them into deadbeat dads that happened in like the two thousands. Superman returns. Uh Indiana Jones and the, <laughs> the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Deadbeat Dad. Like, come on, guys. Come on, man. Y'all tripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is, man, but you, 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 you're kind of hitting on something there. And, and I guess to close it out, I saw an image. It wasn't a film that they were doing, but I saw an image where they had reunited the, uh, the original cast of Back to the Future. Yeah. So, so it was, you know, it was uh, uh, Doc and it was Marty and uh, Marty's girlfriend, Jennifer and Biff, and even the principal, the guy who played the principal. He's still living? Oh, man. He, he was at the time of this photo. Oh, okay. And they're all so, so much older and so much longer in the tooth. I was like, I don't want to see this. Right. I don't want to see this. <laughs> I just want to feel like they're off living happy lives as older people. And and, and, and and doing well and and, and, and and enjoying the spoils of their of their uh you know of their labors and their youth. But I don't want to see them getting back trying to get the band back together because it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies because they're like it just reminds me of their mortality. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? It just yeah. reminds me of uh, in my mortality. Maybe that's really yeah. what I'm. Uh... No, no. But I mean, uh, to your point, though, Adrian, to point, Swizz, man, I think that's one of the things that uh, I, I can agree on with you as far as like getting the, getting the Star Wars cast back together again for this this, this last series of films. You know, having Luke go out in a less than ostentatious way, a less than, less than grateful and gratifying way towards his character that you knew him for in the previous trilogy. It, it was like it was like it definitely turned a screw in the wrong direction for me. It's like it, it made it made it made his failure. It made, it made his because supposedly he failed, right? He failed to train. He failed to train his, his, his nephew in the proper ways of the force. So he went to the dark side. That that was, that was extra salt in the wound to me to see him old and long and gray and and drinking green milk. Is it like drink, drinking green ass blue milk? What the fuck he was drinking? Green milk. <laughs> blue milk. There you go. Uh, Baru. Uh, Baru. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, but it was but it was weird, man. It, it was weird. It was it was less than, it was less than gracious, man, to, for him to, to look that look in that manner. And it was it was, it was hard to look at him as an old person, dude. It was. And he, he did, even 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 Obi Wan didn't look as even 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 uh, Alec Guinness didn't look as old as he did, did to me in, in the original films, you know. Now now D, let me ask you this: keeping it keeping it topical, well, Harrison Ford is Han Solo in The Force Awakens, the way he went out, bruh. I stood up in the theater. It was just me and maybe somebody else, but mm-hmm. I stood up in the theater where he and, and you knew he was going to get killed. 
everything turns dark and red. Oh, they're the only ones on that skywalk. Oh, across across the bridge, you know, talking exactly. to exactly. Yeah. And you know, he got killed. I stood up and was like, "That's a bullshit." <laughs> I should have had the presence of body say, "This bullshit, Mister Head Solo Man." <laughs> It was god awful, man. The way that, but you know, it's like, but you, you kind of thought maybe okay. Not trying to get on, on that subject of Star Wars, but you kind of thought maybe that was that was Harrison Ford's way out of the franchise at that point. I think it was. He didn't want to be there in the first place. He was like, okay, I'll do this again because only because George asked me, and uh, this character really is beyond me now. And I just is that what the fans think? Okay, that's that's fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. I'm sorry if Double Zone didn't work out. I'm sorry if fucking Ender's Game didn't oh. work out. Oh. I'm sorry if that movie with him and the goddamn dog in the mountains like fucking Harrison Grizzly Ford didn't work out. So yes, when that shit doesn't work out, you gotta come back and you gotta play the hits, motherfucker. <laughs> I want. I don't want no damn B sides. I don't want. I don't want. Right. I want. I want strictly hits. Top ten. I hear the radio. That's it. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Sidebar Forever is copyright 2020. Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson.